Good to see you guys. How's everybody doing? Hey, I heard there was a football game on today. Is that true? Has anybody heard about this? How many of you are just ready for the, another team to win? I feel like there's this one team from back east somewhere that we, I think we need the Eagles to win today. So it's followers of Christ. We want to soar like eagles, right? We're not so much into the whole nationalism type thing with patriots and all that. Okay, well, who, whoever you want to root for, we won't, make, we won't make today about football. I joked around in the tagging and said, today's message is called Jesus in football or something like that, but it's definitely not. We're going to talk about something much more enjoyable, uh, much better. Welcome to Joy Church UO joining us today. Welcome, you guys. So excited that you're with us. We are excited to have a great day. How many of you are enjoying the weather we've been having? Man, this is, Bethany and I are like, we're, we're kind of, I think, cringing, waiting for the axe to fall, right? The hammer to drop. Like, when is it going to turn into winter? It's like spring right now. It's awesome. So if you're like me, I love to enjoy a beautiful day outdoors. How many of you enjoy, just love beautiful day outdoors? My favorite way to spend a day outdoors is actually inside. And so um, that's how I roll. And if I can get a good book and spend a great, if the weather's great, I just love to be inside reading. That was a good joke, but you did not help me out. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, we're going to jump in today. We are starting a brand new series called Eternity Now. And this series is all about living our lives in light of eternity, living our lives in light of the fact that this world and the things of this world and the temporal concerns that we all have and, uh, what, you know, where am I going to get my paycheck from and what am I going to eat today? And just the kind of the here and the now is not all that matters. It's not the, the whole story that you and I have an eternal destiny, right? And, and I want to ask you this question, do, the, do you live like your choices have an eternal impact? Do we live that way? Right now in our daily living, in our daily actions, our thoughts, our, our words, the relationships, are we living like our choices have an eternal impact? And is what we're living for making a positive impact on eternity? See, it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up and caught up in the right now. How many of you get caught up in the right now? Come on, I do. I'm like, man, uh, I got to worry about this right now. And I got to worry about my job. And I have to think about uh, what I'm going to wear. I actually went on, online today and looked at our YouTube videos. and was like, what did I wear last week so I can wear a different shirt? You know, <laughs> just thinking about the right now. We're, we're worried about these kinds of things. And yet oftentimes when we get wrapped up in right now, we don't think about forever. We don't think about eternity. And I think that uh, we, we need to begin to think about begin to live our lives in light of eternity and ask the question is what I'm doing now is what I'm investing in now what I'm giving myself to and uh, living towards right now making a positive impact on eternity the thing is that our everyday and our ordinary actions are far more significant than we think see maybe you have a conversation with somebody at the grocery store and you kind of are like yeah it was nice to them and I encouraged them a little bit and said hey I like your uh, that's a nice shirt I like that that shirt you're wearing today. And we think like that's no big deal. It didn't make a difference. But what if that was a step? What if that was a moment for that person where they, they decided, wow, like somebody actually noticed me. I'm not going to end my life tonight. And we just don't know, right? You just don't know. And not to make a, a mountain out of a molehill, but our everyday and ordinary actions are far more significant than we think, both positively and negatively. See, maybe you think, you know, I'm going to have a little bit more to drink and, um, you know, what's the big deal? It's not really having a significant impact, but you don't know. Even negatively, what are my everyday ordinary actions? I'm going to say this, this word to my wife or to my kids, and maybe it was a little bit harsh or it was spoken in anger. What did that do to them? What kind of an impact is it making? 
You maybe have heard this phrase, people will say, that person is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Have you heard this before, right? That person's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And what do they mean? They mean, well, that person's got their head in the clouds. They're kind of, a lot of times it's kind of negative, like they're super spiritual, right? And just so heavenly minded, I'm worried about eternity. But I want to say this today, that I think that the, the reality is the opposite is true, that if you are a person who is heavenly minded, if you are spiritually minded, if you are a person who thinks about eternity and weighs their choices and their actions in the moment, in light of eternity, that you actually become more good for this world right now. That you make a, big, the, a bigger difference in the here and the now. I love this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter six, verse nine. And this is the context here is that Jesus' disciples have come and they've said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? How many of you think that Jesus is a pretty good teacher about prayer, right? I mean, I've read some good books on prayer, but Jesus, he's sort of like the best at everything, right? Who died for your sins? Jesus. Who loves you more than anything? Jesus. It's the right answer to every question in church. And Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Jesus said, pray like this. Our father in heaven. How many of you are like, oh, I know what's happening right here. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we all have heard, or, or a lot of us have heard this prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. Maybe you pray like our Father in heaven, just help your name, Jesus. You know, we kind of do it as rote or ritual. But Jesus is actually giving us a template for prayer. Jesus is actually giving us a template for how we should think. And this, this has a huge, uh, uh, this, this speaks to how we should view time and how we should view our place in the here and now and living for eternity. He says, may your will be done on earth. May your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now here's the thing. I wanna talk about heaven and earth for just a few seconds here, just a few moments. We tend to think about heaven as the place where we go when we die, right? If you're a good person, that's how most people think about it. And all dogs go there too. We know that, right? I'd say like the first book of Hesitations 2, 4 is all dogs go to heaven, not cats, they're gonna burn forever. But Cats are disgusting, I'm just saying, you know. But dogs, we know dogs go to heaven. So we think of heaven as the place you go if you're basically a good person or whatever, when, or if you love Jesus or however you figure this out. But that's, heaven is where you go when you die. And then we tend to think about heaven as a place where we're like fat, naked babies, and we play harps all day. Come on, mental images right there. You know, ring, and that sounds really awful. I think about heaven as the place where you can eat candy bars all day and not get fat. Come on, Jesus, and you can fly. Praise the Lord. So, but we think about heaven in this way and we tend to put it in this category of this sort of spiritual, kind of bright, golden, lots of white, weird robes and God's there, but it's this place we go when we die. But that's actually not the way the Bible talks about heaven. And you're like, what? In the Bible, the way that heaven and earth are described are, are as two separate realms. And heaven is the place where God is in control. Heaven is the place, it's God's realm. It's his dominion, it's his domain. And heaven is the place where God's grace and his goodness and his glory are on display. And heaven is the place where what God wants done gets done. So you'll hear Jesus and the, the New Testament writers talk about the kingdom of heaven. And what they're talking about is, is this place where God's will gets done and where God's goodness and glory and his grace are on display. And here's the thing, God's original plan was for heaven, so God's domain, and the earth, our domain, to be coexistent. 
So you might be thinking, well, the, the story of being a Christian is about I give my life to Jesus, I pray this prayer, I get a password, and then I get to go to heaven when I die and be a fat little cherub and play a harp. No, that's not the, that's not the story. The story of the Bible is about the fact that sin ripped these realms apart. Heaven and earth were coexistent in the Garden of Eden. When God made the earth, God and mankind lived together. There was this unity of these two realms, okay? Heaven and earth coexisting. But sin and the fall, humankind ripped it apart. And now earth and heaven are these separated realms, right? And earth is kind of full of sin and darkness and brokenness and despair, right? And heaven is the place where God, his goodness and how he wants things to be done. When God is in control, there aren't any orphans and nobody goes hungry. And when God is in control, there is no war. Come on. There, there's no, there's no uh, profiteering and, and stepping on people to get ahead. That, that doesn't happen in heaven, in God's realm. Now, here's the story about the Bible, not how we can escape this crappy planet and you know, screw all the people that are different and don't love Jesus and forget all these people. That's not Christianity. Christianity is the story about God loving this world so much that he wants to bring heaven and earth back together. Come on, I'm preaching today. Even on Super Bowl Sunday. Sin ripped these worlds apart. God's plan is that these two realms, heaven and earth, would come back together. And so you're not going to get taken up into the sky as a follower of Jesus when you die and go live in some gobbledygook, weird, esoteric, new age, fat little baby, light, white robe place. When you go to heaven, you're going to be living on earth. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelations that God recreates, he makes all things new. He that made all things will make all things new. And there's going to be a new Jerusalem. Heaven and earth are gonna to come together. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and they will be united. Come on, somebody. There will be nations, there will be, there will be purpose. I don't have time to go into all of this, but I'm talking about eternity. I'm talking about being eternally minded, living in light of eternity. So the story of the Bible is not how we escape. The story of the Bible is how we reconcile, how we heal, how God works through us to bring restoration and reconciliation, to bring heaven and earth together. Now, there's a lot of theology in here. I would encourage you to read more about this. I can give you some suggestions on books and things like that. But I want to talk about this, that when Jesus says, pray like this, this is how you should engage with God. You should say, God, would you make this planet, this realm, this place where I am and where I work and where I live and where I'm married and where I have kids and where I go to school, would you make it look more like heaven? Would you let your kingdom come and your will be done right here? That's what Jesus' prayer was, that his kingdom would be established here on earth. So as followers of Christ, we're called to be the bridge, the conduit to bring heaven to earth. We're supposed to think about eternity now. We're supposed to say, how are my daily, ordinary, everyday actions bringing about God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, eternity now, heaven here, God's will, God's way happening around me and in my life. Come on, somebody. That's what we're supposed to think about. That's what eternity now means. And I believe we need to have a paradigm switch. How many of you know what a paradigm switch is? You're like, paradigm switch, isn't that that thing that is in the car where you flip it and then you're, no, it's not what it is. Paradigm switch is where you're thinking one way and then it all switches and you think a different way. It's a paradigm switch. You're seeing something one way and then it flips. How many of you have seen those little diagrams where you look at it one way and it's like a cowboy and then you look at it, you, you, you switch your eyes and somebody's like, no, it's a, it's a cat. And you're like, no, it's not. It's a cowboy. And they're like, no, it's a cat. And you're like, cats don't go to heaven, but cowboys do. But you know, you're looking at it 
And then all of a sudden, boom, it, it switches, right? You have a paradigm switch and you can see. I believe we need to have a paradigm switch about eternity now, thinking this way. And I'll describe what a paradigm switch is. I mean, we all know this. You remember being like an eight-year-old, seven, eight-year-old boy, seven, eight-year-old girl, and the opposite sex has cooties, right? So I remember when I had a paradigm switch in this area. Her name was Shayla, and she wore acid-washed denim jeans. She was a cowgirl, like everything denim, all acid-washed denim. This was the 90s. Come on, it was... And so, man, all of a sudden it was like, girls have cooties, they're gross. Ooh, girls, yuck, I like boys, I like G.I. Joe, Ninja Turtles, right? And all of a sudden, Shayla came in, I think like in kindergarten or first grade, and I was like, I don't think she has cooties. This one doesn't have cooties. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Girls, I don't know from your perspective, but I'm sure there was a point when you were like, hey, they're not so yucky and gross. Maybe that never happens for girls. I think they... <laughs> Guys are still disgusting, but we need somebody to do what they do, I guess. But there's a paradigm switch. All of a sudden, it flips and everything is different, right? It's a paradigm switch. That's what needs to happen in our hearts and our minds as we think about living for eternity. Eternity right now. Begin to think about how our thoughts and actions and everyday ordinary things impact eternity. Because if we will get a vision of eternity and what God wants to do in an eternal perspective of what he wants to do now, it will flip. It will change everything about how we think. But here's the thing. It's actually a lot easier to say than to do. To, to be an eternally minded person, to think about eternity now is very hard. Here's what we're up against. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But if anyone, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Now what John, one of Jesus' disciples, is telling us in this letter that he wrote is he's saying, this is what you're up against. To change your mind and not be caught up and wrapped up in the here and the now, you're going to have to understand this is what the world is offering you. It's offering you pride. It's offering you pleasure. It's offering you possessions. How many of you were like, that sounds like a pretty good day to me? <laughs> to, to, to achieve, to, to get to the place in your career that you want to be and be able to say, I did this. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Have pride or I'm awesome in this area or to, to have physical pleasure. Some people are just caught up in their life is about living for the weekend. I always found that to be such a sad thing that people would say, I'm living for the weekend. Well, that means that you're, you're only living for two out of seven days or, or three out of seven days. Why, why is your whole life not filled with purpose? But if you're just pursuing pleasure, come on, this is what the world can offer you. And there's some pleasures out there. There's some, I mean, I'm going to eat like this Reuben pizza thing that Bethany's going to make today. I'm talking about physical pleasure. That is good. <laughs> you know, it, come on. There's pleasures out there possessions. There's, what if you get all the things that you want to do? Uh, what if you get all the things that you want? The house, the car. I mean, that's, there's stuff, right? This is what we're up against is these pursuits. But listen, John says, they're bad investments for your life. These are bad investments. In verse 16, he says, these are not from the father. Pride, pleasure, possessions, they're not from the father. And what's he saying? They're not God's best plan for you. They, they aren't, they, they're a deception, they're, they're shallow, they're not going to absolutely fulfill you to, to the depths of who you are like Jesus will. Come on, 
John's saying, this isn't God's best plan for you. It's not his destiny for you. So don't get caught up in these things, loving the world and the things of this world. But it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because they shine so bright. He says, these aren't God's best for you. And then in verse 17, he says, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. What John is saying is that as a human being fallen, lost in your sin and corrupted as we all are, you're going to want these things, but you have to understand that if you live for them and you give your life to them, that ultimately your investment is not going to last because this world is fading away. In other words, don't put your investment in things that aren't going to matter forever. Come on. Got to think differently. We've got to have a paradigm switch about eternity. I think about the fleeting pleasures of this world. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about McDonald's Happy Meals. <clears throat> because, how, you know, when you were a kid and you go to McDonald's and your mom's like, your dad, my dad would be like, hey, let's get something off the value meal. I mean, we would go to Burger King as kids and we would split a Whopper, cut it four ways. I remember when I graduated to get a half a Whopper when I was like 13 or 14 and I got a whole half a Whopper, I was like, suck it, Matt. All right, my little sister. Because um, I went up to the half Whopper. Now as an adult, I can just eat a whole Whopper. I mean, I am living it up. Pleasures of this world. But when you're a kid and you go to McDonald's, you remember you don't want something off the value meal. What do you want? You want a Happy Meal. It's called a Happy Meal. Think about that for a second. Is that brilliant marketing or what? From McDonald's. Hey kids, you want the uh, mediocre meal? Because that's really what it is. Would you like some chicken nuggets that taste and actually feel in your mouth like cardboard? Yes, I would. No, they call it a Happy Meal. And what do you get in a Happy Meal? What makes the Happy Meal happy? A toy. How many of you, your kids, they have the Happy Meal toy that you bought them a year ago. They have that and it's on their shelf and it's like the most important toy to them. No. My wife and I walk through our house and if we find, if we find toys from McDonald's, we just throw them away. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do too. You're just like, they're never going to play with it again. Our kids, they get their happy meal. They're like, I don't like it. This is, and we laugh at that, but this is how we are with the pleasures of this world. They're fleeting. That's why Jesus in Matthew 6, 19 said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't get fooled by the happy meal of this life. Don't get fooled by the fleeting pleasures where moths eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Think about eternity. Think about how you live now. And is it actually making a difference forever where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal? Living for eternity is the smart investment. C.S. Lewis says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. See, the person with their, their eyes on eternity, the person saying, I want to make a difference and impact forever. I want to live for God's kingdom and live to see God's kingdom come and heaven here where I'm at. I want to see eternity invade the present through my life. You're actually going to have a better life right now than the person who's living for right now. See, the thing is, when you are eternally minded, you can enjoy properly the things of this life. Come on and see them in their rightful place. You can eat your happy meal and be like, cool, I'm happy for my happy meal. But you know what? This isn't how I verify or base my life. This isn't how I validate. I don't validate my life on did I get the pleasure, the pride, the possessions. I validate my life on am I making an eternal impact because I live for eternity. Come on, this changes everything about how we think. All right, let me give you a couple practical steps. How to live in light of eternity. Number one, we need to lift our vision. Come on, say lift. Say vision. 
See, most of us are walking around like this. We're walking around and we're living our life and we're thinking about what do I want to eat? Who do I want to date? Where do I want to go to school? And I'm just thinking about right now, uh, what, what game do I want to watch today? Are the Ducks going to win a national championship ever? I don't know. This is what I think about. And we got our eyes down and we're looking right a few steps ahead of us. And what I want to challenge you to do is you go through this paradigm shift and we begin to think about eternity is we need to lift our eyes and say, what, what am I doing right now that's affecting eternity? Lift my vision. Try to be somebody who thinks long-term, not just short-term. See, people that are caught up in the short-term, they only think about what feels good, right? They think about how something's going to benefit them in the here and the now. Well, I don't really want to I don't really want to be part of a joy group because that's time out of my week. Yeah, but it's going to have a tremendous impact in your life to make an investment in a relationship. An eternally minded person, somebody who's valuing the things of eternity is going to have their vision lifted and have a longer term, farther out perspective. So I want to encourage you to lift your vision. Number two, I want to encourage you to live for what lasts. As you go through this process of lifting your vision, and beginning to ask, are my choices and actions making an impact on eternity? Then you're going to begin to reprioritize your life according to that standard. This is something that is sad to me is that as a Christian in the United States of America, I don't know if you know this, but you are filthy rich. And I am filthy rich. And I, don't, I, and I know you're like, no, I'm not. I'm just middle class. Or I'm actually lower on the, the, the totem pole than, than most people. But if you go to Ethiopia or Somalia and you worship with your Christian brothers and sisters or something, you, you are rich. Just breaking that down. Now, I'm not trying to put guilt on anyone. What I want to talk about, though, is it makes me sad when I see Christians in America running a rat race, trying to get to some elusive level of prosperity or whatever, and neglecting that which has eternal impact. Come on, somebody. You know, maybe you, you drove the Toyota Camry with the silver paint instead of the white paint. I mean, like, does that really make any difference in life? What would it look like if we as a community of Christ followers began to say, you know what? I'm going to reprioritize in my life. In the areas that really matter, I'm going to reprioritize according to eternity. And I am going to store up treasures in heaven. My wife and I, we, we said early on, uh, and I think we were even better at this early on. Maybe we need to get our vision lifted. But we, we said our life isn't going to be validated or, or by how much money we make. We want to invest in eternity. So even in the area of finances and our giving, we've, we've always said we want to invest in God's kingdom. And I'm going to talk about this next week. In our time. Well, I don't have time to be part of a joy group. I don't have time to, be, to serve in church. I, I'm too busy. If you're too busy to follow Jesus and you're too busy to walk as a Christian in relationship and you're too busy to serve your city, you are too busy. You're too busy for heaven. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. What I'm saying is you're not laboring for the purpose that God put you on this planet for. He wants to reconcile this planet and get heaven here. Come on. I'm not talking about fat baby heaven where you go when you die. You probably still get to go there even if you're selfish. What I'm talking about though, because of God's grace, Come on. What I'm talking about, though, is the people that say, look, my life purpose is to bring heaven and earth together. And if you're going to do that, you have to reprioritize. I'm talking to somebody today. I don't know who, but I'm talking to somebody. All right. Moving on. Number three, don't be Demas. Now, that doesn't make any sense, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this. Don't be Demas. Somebody say, don't be Demas. Don't be Demas. <clears throat> Demas is a guy that was a uh, a friend or a, a co-worker with Paul the Apostle. And in 2 Timothy 4, 6, this is the Apostle Paul writing from a prison. He's writing to his 
spiritual son, disciple Timothy, he says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Now listen to this verse right here, because this is about Demas. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. Demas has run away. Demas split. Demas hopped on the number four bus and got out of town. Demas took off. Why? Because Demas is a bad guy? No. Demas took off because he loved the things of this life. His eyes were on now, not on forever. His eyes were on the things right now. When you break this down in the Greek, what it actually says, when it says loves the things of this life, it says he has loved the now age. Literally, Demas has loved. He's fallen in love with this world, the things of this life, pride, pleasure, possessions, and that stopped him. It actually removed him from achieving the destiny and calling that God has on his life. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. Let me ask you a challenging question. Are you a Demas? You don't have to raise your hand and be like, yeah, I am. No, <laughs> think about it though. Am I more in love with the things of this life than the calling of Christ in my life? Am I more in love with the things of this life than I am in love with Jesus? Am I more in love with the things of this life than the calling that God has on me? And if so, here's the good news. God's grace is here to give you a paradigm shift to allow you to begin to think about eternity. Amen? So lift your vision, live for what lasts, and don't be Demas. Don't be connected so much with this world that you lose sight of eternity. Here's the bottom line. When we live for eternity, when we reprioritize and we lift our vision and we begin to to live our lives in light of eternity, we become the kind of people that change the here and the now. You think about somebody like a Martin Luther King Jr. who was living for eternity, had a priority. He made a difference in the here and now. People like Mother Teresa, great people in, in history, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I mean, you can look at all these people who are followers of Christ and see where they lived for eternity, lived their life in light of eternity, and they therefore made a bigger difference in the world around them. We can do that as followers of Jesus.